This is the Going the Distance Podcast. Dude, I'm telling you, when I'm driving a fucking Porsche and living on a yacht, you're gonna be like, oh, I wish I got him in the top guy. You had two picks on two defensive possessions in a row, and you don't win the field position battle? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? This is a fun show. <laughs> yeah, this is fun. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Going the Distance podcast. Today is April 28th. It is Wednesday night, one night before the NFL draft. It's going to be absolutely crazy. One of the most anticipated drafts I can remember in a long time. I know Elijah just cracked cold one open, so going to be a good talk today as we go through some mock drafts and whatnot. But before we get into the episode, i got to run through a few quick promos real quick. First off, you all know my name. I'm Ryan Bunnell. You all know Elijah's name by now if you've been tuning in. Make sure you guys follow us on Twitch, YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. You can catch all of our podcast episodes on there. Follow our social medias over at GTD underscore sports. We're on TikTok, Twitter, soon to be Instagram. And you can follow our personal accounts. You see our ads here on the screen at Ryan Bunnell 8 and at Elijah Spans. Last but not least, go ahead and subscribe to the GTD Sports newsletter where you can get email notifications on every podcast episode. That way you don't miss out on anything. All right, Elijah, NFL Draft Week. How are we feeling? I'm feeling pretty good. I made my first ever mock draft to post on our website. That was really fun. I was actually, I thought about it a little bit, but I was like, no, nah, I'm not going to do it because it's a shit ton of work. But then you texted me about it and I was like, fuck, okay. And so I made the, I made it and it was, it was honestly pretty rewarding. It was a lot of fun because you can you can ha- take a lot of liberties with it. I do have a couple of picks where I, I I really don't think it has no chance of happening, but I just had fun with it because like I can. And, yeah, I I know. made like a I did like a what's it called simulation kind of one. I didn't go in depth like you did, uh, and I kind of have a couple picks too. Where like for example, I have Justin Fields at number three, which uh, we can get into that in a bit. But yeah, um, but no. Uh, Fights were really good this weekend. I really, I really enjoyed the fights, dude. Oh though, my god, bro! Yes, I didn't get to fully watch all of them just because I was doing, you know, Saturday night festivities. Yeah, so the fights didn't have my full attention, unfortunately. Even though I wish they did, which is again one of the I've said this before, time and time again. The biggest thing for also and against UFC is that it's on Saturday night. Right? Like, it's convenient. It's, like, all one day. You can make it an event if you want. But then yeah. also, there's a bunch of other shit happening there's on Saturday night. There's a bunch of Saturday night, you know. Like, you, yeah. can, you, could, you could turn it into, like, oh, we can host a fight night. Almost like a Super Bowl party, almost. Like, exactly, yeah. Like anytime there's a big fight, which I've been to some, like, when McGregor fights. But, like, also, too, when it's just, like, a really good fight but not as big of an attraction, you're like, oh, I want to see that. But, like, if all your friends are going out, like, you're probably going to go do that. Yeah, that's, exactly. That's that's us as college kids, though, saying that. Yeah, well, like I went over the weekend. I drove down to uh, Texas A and M in College Station. Uh, one of my friends, Colton, who was on the podcast a few episodes ago, he uh, had a ring dunk ceremony, which is oh, hell I don't, huge. yeah, I never really knew what it was until now. But they literally all the seniors A and M. It's like a tradition. They drop their class ring and a pitcher full of beer, and then they have to chug it to get the ring out. So. Awesome. I went down there for that on Saturday, and con- luckily, I don't know who was responsible, how it was managed, but they had a stream up of the fights on the TV at the party. So 
me and my group of friends, we were all just huddled around right there watching that shit. And we got there in perfect timing to see Chris Weidman absolutely disgustingly, brutally snap his leg in half. Did you get to yeah, catch that one? No, I just missed it, but then I got I missed it so by like such little time that I caught the instant replay of it. <laughs> yeah, it's like right uh, after. Yeah, yeah, like right, like I walked in the room into the my friend's house, like right after it happened, and they had it up there. And then I got to see the Thug Rose fight, which called it, knew it. I told y'all Thug Rose, especially now that she was um, up against. Uh, What's that? Communism, since she was fighting against communism. Communism, way late yeah. thing. Yeah, so she was going to win, um, and she kicked fucking ass. I mean, she did. Uh, can't argue that. I Here, look. Just... Oh, I mean, you can just see. So I, I wanted to point out how we were talking about the Weidman injury. I wanted to show you the video. But, I mean, you can just see. Here's, like, the image. I wrote an article uh, reacting to the fights and everything because this was one of my favorite main events in a while, honestly, probably since the adesanya Blockowitz fight. But – just look at this picture, bro. I love Doug Rose, man. Yeah. It was oh, awesome man. to see. But um, Shevchenko kicked ass again. I was very happy to see that because I wanted her to win again. And then Usman. I mean, what I mean, what else can you say about the guy at this point? It was, Dude, it was I, an, a lot. You can say a lot. It was a no-brainer that he's going to win that fight. All right. Let me play this video real quick. I'm going to oh, yeah, let's see this. Yeah, let's see. This is so for those watching the audio. Yeah, I'm going to zoom in a little bit. Bet. All right. So for those watching at home right now, we're looking at a video of Chris Weidman's leg injury at you. Oh Ooh, my god, dude! That's like um. There was another injury like that a couple was, of years ago. Who was that? Anderson Silva. So yes. You know, yes. What's, what's really crazy about this is that this injury literally is like a full circle. Oh my god, he stood on it. He stood on it. I haven't seen that part yet. That's the worst part, bro. But yeah, eight years ago in 2013, Anderson Silva did the exact same injury. But what's so crazy is that Chris Weidman, the guy that broke his leg in this video, was the one defending the leg kick in 2013. No shit. Okay, we can we can turn it off now. Yeah, sorry. I keep replaying. It's. I mean, I I want to Twitter. It's, it's Twitter. I hate watching it, but I can't stop. Like, I don't know what to do. Holy shit. Um. Yeah. Wow. That's, I mean, that's UFC, baby. That's what you, that's what that's you're UFC. Um, yeah, exactly, dude. That, but okay. So, yeah, Chris Weidman, I saw that Uriah Hall, he was the guy he was fighting against. Uh, Hall is now the first UFC fighter to ever win an event without throwing a single strike. Like, literally just stood there and then that shit happened. Yeah. Well, I mean, they say it all the time in the UFC. Like, when you bet on underdogs, like anything can happen. That's just a, another testament to that. Like, literally anything had happened so it's it's all possibilities are on the table yeah and like you mentioned shevchenko's dominance i mean the wide men it was a good fight but it wasn't a main event there was three or i mean it was part of the main card but there was three mm -hmm. title fights and the first one was shevchenko like you said she dominated like mm -hmm. literally dominated in every way i saw the final stat sheet read she had five minutes 11 seconds of octagon control compared to jessica andrade's 57 seconds and the fight only lasted like six minutes. So that's pretty yeah. damn good. Yeah. I really am at the point, though, where I don't think anybody in the women's – in like UFC can compete with Amanda Nunes at bantamweight and Valentina Shevchenko at flyweight. Like they're literally just 
above and beyond better than every female fighter there is. What do they weigh? I don't understand like the way the they do their weights. So I remember because I was having a look into it when I wrote my article. Uh, bantam weight for women is one thirty five, and flyweight okay. is one twenty five. Okay. So okay. yeah. Is there anything? Is bantam weight the heaviest? Yes, for women, I'm pretty okay. sure. I'm pretty sure, yeah. But Amanda Nunes has been dominating that now. Yeah, she's a f- for a while. Fucking animal. Literally um, an animal. Yeah, Thug then, Rose though. Now Thug Rose is in the mix. Back I love Thug belt. Rose. I love Thug Rose, but like, uh, I don't know if any woman on the planet could beat up Amanda Nunes. Well, Thug Rose is uh, a lot. I think Thug Rose is at 115 pounds, so she would have a lot to go to catch oh. up to. Yeah, to Nunes, but. I mean, either way, you're right. I don't think they could compete, even if we're comparing them pound for pound. Like, Nunez is going to take that all day. Uh, yeah. But yeah, and the Thug Rose, man, that was just awesome to see because, one, she's the first female fighter in the UFC to regain a belt after losing it. So, like, no mm. fighters ever lost a title, come back. Um, so, yeah. A few first years, female fighter or first ever fighter? First female fighter to do okay. it. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's happened before in the male division, but mm-hmm. – um yeah so she lost her belt originally to jessica andrade which is the girl that fought shevchenko over the weekend and she got body slammed into the mat like lost consciousness uh and then she actually beat andrade in a rematch but it wasn't for the belt so now mm-hmm. she finally got her shot again and literally first round fucking oh head kick to the face did you see it too like zang was mad bro i saw i saw like bits and pieces of it like again i was at a i was at a an event doing Saturday night festivities. So it was one eye on type beat. Yeah. So well, like, so right after the knockout, thing. it was somewhat controversial because it was like, like quick call. Yeah. It was a little bit of a quick call. Uh, so like as soon as she made contact, shin to the temple, um, Zhang just kind of went limp. Like she didn't like fall backwards. She literally just like went dead weight on the ground back. And like, as soon as she hit the ground though, it seemed like she had woke up. But then Rose just jumps on her and starts punching her. And Zhang really didn't move her hands to defend herself or anything. So they called it, which, I mean, I get it. After watching the replay, it made a lot more sense why they called it. Those are scary, man. When they're when they're on the ground, they just start going at it. Like, you – you, and if you're not defending yourself, you have to call the fight. Like yeah, like, you, you don't know what Especially if, if your hands are, like – if you can't even get your hands up, like, you – you just have to call the fight. Yeah, totally defenseless. Yeah, and so, but like right after it was called, though Zhang was ready. Like she like jumped up and was like, "What the fuck? What?" Like she was mad, but like mm. I don't know if I don't know if she really had justification to be uh, mad. Those fighters, man, they 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 don't know their own selves sometimes in those situations where they're like, "No, like they're I'm good, I'm good." And it's like, "No, you're you're not good." Like when like when people get concussed, it's like I'm fine. It's like, "No, you're not." Well, even Ben Askren, dude, you remember that the five second flying knee knockout against oh, Masvidal? He, he tried he, to get back up after that. No, he said that literally in an interview. He said the next thing he remembered was waking up like in a hospital bed and seeing his wife and going, "Well, I'm here, so I guess the fight didn't go too good, did it?" And then, <laughs> and then she was like, "No, it did not." <laughs> oh my god! Like he literally had no clue until he woke up. Like he was kind of like somewhere else. I mean, you could also. Think of just like videos of quarterbacks trying to go back in after they've been concussed. Like, what was that guy's name? Where he he was playing for the Texans. I think it was T.J. Yates. T.J. Yates, I remember. Where he he got hit in the head and he starts doing all this shit and like like a like a dead squirrel. 
and they put him back in the game because he's like, yeah, I'm good. Like, no, no, you're not. Dude, yeah, they just give him some tramadol, coach. Put him on field. Like, yeah. no, dude, you're you need to go into concussion protocol. Yeah, you need to sit the fuck down, drink some water, get some electrolytes in you too. Get some, yeah, get some Gatorade. Um, but no, and then Mas, or the Jose Masvidal fight and Usman. Um, I knew it. I had friends too that were like, oh, who'd you bet on? They're like Masvidal, dude, the value like plus. 250 or plus 300 whatever he's at i was like dude put a hundred bucks on newsman right now to to hinge it to hedge yeah. it he's like, they're like what like you're telling me to put 400 dollars to win a hundred dollars i'm like yes yeah Usman yes. is not winning losing this fight and sure yeah like i thought about doing that bro i really thought about just going all in on that because i had never been more confident about a fight but i will say i did not expect it to end in a second round knockout I thought it was going to be like Usman by decision, like he wins nearly like every last fight. Time. Yeah, like last. Well, time, his yeah. last is it his last two his last two fights have been won by knockout. That's true. Yeah, I wonder what the odds were on Usman knockout. That would have been a good. That would have been a good play. It was probably in the plus, like the probably like plus one hundred, plus two hundred area. I don't know. Though. I didn't check on that because they took it to the distance easily the first time they fought. Yeah, because the it first a, time they fought was just a, was a so thumping. Yeah, sleeper. It was so boring, and Masvidal was just like laughing up against the cage, even though he was getting dominated. Like, getting, yeah, it was kind of annoying. But so, I will say, Masvidal this time, he he took the loss like a champ. Like he woke up, uh, got in the interview with Joe Rogan. He like gave all the credit in the world to Usman, and then before he even went to the locker room, he took pictures with like every fan that wanted to. So good on Masvidal's part. I thought that was pretty cool to see. Yeah. Um. Do you know who Usman's gonna fight next? Guy hasn't okay. gotten hurt yet. Oh, uh, I wouldn't say that because this is the only fighter that's really questioned or like not questioned, but challenged Usman, and it's Colby Covington. Okay. Colby Covington is probably the only logical answer for who's next because they've had beef their entire career in the UFC. Like both of these guys do not like each other. Um, and Colby Covington is one of the most outspoken, honestly annoying fighters in the UFC. But he's damn good at wrestling, like really good. And so I think he's the only person that can kind of match up to Usman. Uh, and after, which I still don't think he would win. Usman is going to win without a problem, like no problems. So if Usman was to beat Covington for the second time, I think the only thing that makes sense is to move up or down a weight class and, and yeah, go for champ champ. Yeah, he's kind of he's kind of dominated at this point. So You see Conor McGregor called him out. McGregor did? Yeah, McGregor said he wants to fight him at 170 for the welterweight title. Not 170 for Connor? Well, Dude. he's done it before. He has, but he's he's like his main fighting range is lightweight at 155 and then usually he if anything he would drop down to featherweight at he, 145. Was it his first fight with Nate Diaz or his second fight that he fought at 170? I think it was his first fight, right? No, I think it was his second. I'm it was his second? Me, Fuck. Cuz I let think me see. I, I can't remember which one it was, but I know it was one of them. Whereas Nate Diaz, when he, I think it was the first one and he lost. And then he won the second one because he went back down to like 160 or 150. So Nate they, Nate Diaz won the 170-pound fight. And Connor, That's right. Yeah, That's and right. Connor won the lightweight fight. Okay. So, yeah, Connor, I, Connor is king of lightweight. Well, I guess you can't really say that because, you know, he lost to Poirier. But – that's where he dominates. So I don't know if welterweight's really a good idea for him. 
especially because he didn't even beat Poirier. So I don't know how he thinks he's just going to randomly get gain 15 pounds and beat the number one pound for pound fighter, which yeah, that's another not. thing. Do you think Usman's number one pound for pound now? I mean, he's got to be. Hopefully, the only thing knocking him is just his level of competition that he's been facing in his division. That's true. Yeah, welterweight really doesn't have anybody else. He's just been dominating it. Like it's it's literally like it's him. Like there's no other. There's no and there is there really any up and comers right now to be afraid of? Like in the welterweight division, not that I'm aware of. Maybe, but shit, I don't think anybody's on Usman's level yet. Mm-mm. For no. a while, at least. Yeah, but last thing yeah. I wanted to mention about the fight night was, uh, did you see? Uh, this wasn't. It didn't really go like viral or anything, but Daniel Cormier, heavyweight legend, he does the play-by-play for UFC. Um, he got in like a yelling match with Jake Paul ringside. Like they were in each other's face, screaming at each other. Yeah. You- Yo. Um. I I didn't see it, but I heard about it. And then, yeah. like, I don't know. Jake Paul is just doing his best to be a clown. Yeah, and then um, DC in an interview said that uh, he said, if Jake Paul wants to fight me, I'm not doing boxing. I don't need the money. I have a bunch of money. And he said, uh, if he wants to fight me, we can do it in the octagon, MMA, and I'm <laughs> going to I'm going to hurt the kid. He's like, I'm going to put him on the ground. I'm going to make him bleed and regret everything he's ever said to me. Like, and I'm like, yeah, Daniel. And he would, too. He <laughs> would, dude. Like, no questions. Which I mean, somebody Jake, say Jake knows that though. Yeah, I think I heard somebody say Daniel Cormier must really like that job that he has because the old Dan- DC would have just whooped him right then and there. Dude, yeah, that's funny actually. Because I mean, um, dude, he's awesome though at, at commentating. I love listening to DC. Yeah, him and Rogan are just really great together. Yeah, they had a few meme reaction clips over the weekend too, like the whoa. Oh yeah, I yeah. think uh, I think the having fans really hyped them up. Which was um, for sure, yeah. What nineteen thousand full pack, fully packed, maskless. Yeah, I think so. Nineteen thousand. There's like fifteen to twenty. I know. Yeah. Yeah. We're so we're getting back to normal. That's fun, dude. Dana White. I, I love Dana White, man. He fucking carried sports through the pandemic. Like, if you think about it, he really did. Like, he didn't give. He never mentioned politics at all never really addressed like he did everything by protocol safely like and he made it work i don't know like he he got us back to having fans in the stands basically single-handedly like dana white runs the whole show himself and yet these billionaires in the nfl and nba can't figure shit out i don't know well i think the usc is just a lot easier sport to manage with covid and all that that's probably true it's just a couple of athletes instead of like the NFL. You have a hundred athletes at the same time. That's true in the same building. So like, it's just a lot harder to make a lot more people to manage, and especially like that one fighter. I mean, how many people does that guy have in his team? Like five to ten. Well, the NFL. How many people are in coaching staff? Like 20, 30? Yeah, that's a good point. Many, yeah, I didn't think about many, it like that. You know, trainers, people in equipment staff. Like, I mean, how many people are in an NFL building at a given time? Like two. 100 200 300 i mean yeah the roster like at a minimum is what or at a maximum is like what 53 usually yeah it's 53 man roster so probably i mean probably close to 200 when you include like everything that especially nowadays all the ways that nfl players are catered to and all yeah like trainers the food staff i'm sure barbers i mean yeah team barbers just hanging out in the uh, facility yeah so i mean like 
it's just a lot more to manage. And it, and it goes the same way for like all the, you know, NBA and um, MLB, like they all have nutritionists on staff and a lot, all kinds of trainers and specialists and this, this and that and all types of coaches. And so, you know, that's that I think that's that's a lot that has a lot to do with it and why they've had more problems. Yeah, I can see that. But I mean, it looks like now next season NFL is going to be kind of back to normal, hopefully. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Roger Goodell, I think, said he fully he expects to have uh, full stadiums back this uh, this fall. Oh, shit. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. yeah. Except for I'm said that a couple to go weeks to a ago. game. Goddamn. I know. If only NFL games were so goddamn expensive. That's why I love baseball. You can go to a game for like 10 bucks. Yeah, exactly. Just literally 10 bucks, especially at Ranger Stadium, dude, because Rangers are trash. Well, unless they're playing like one of the best teams and they're a little bit more expensive. But let's go ahead and get it. We've done enough dilly-dallying on the UFC. We had to get through that recap. It was an iconic fight weekend. We had to talk about it a little bit. But drum roll, please. It is the draft special time. We're about to show Elijah's NFL mock draft and take you through it a little bit and break down some of the picks. Talk about what we think might happen, who might go where, and yeah, let's see what. Let's see if I can get this pulled up real quick. Let's do it. Um, yeah, I'm really excited for this draft. I think this is going to be a great. It's going to be a great Thursday night. It's going to be really exciting. Um, I love the spectacle of the draft too. It's always. It always. I feel like it usually delivers too. It does. And I don't well, know why, but I it. get goosebumps too. Like right before they announce every pick for like if they're going to take like somebody exciting right before when Goodell pauses and like the Jaguars selects like that pause. I'm like, I get so excited every time. Yeah. I, I get that feeling too, especially, well, I mean, it only really for like the first, I'd say like 20 picks maybe. Um, and I mean, yeah. dude, especially this draft, I really like, I can't tell you the last time I remember a draft being this unpredictable, like so many different variables, this could happen. This trade might happen. Like, I, I really don't remember the last time it was this chaotic. Yeah, well, it's because we now have five quarterbacks that can go in the top ten easily, very yeah. easily. And then you also have um, a lot of playmakers, too, a lot of exciting playmakers. It's not a it's not a draft where it's a bunch of edge rushers and O-linemen and stuff like that. It's a, it's a, it's a pure, like, it's an entertainment player draft for sure. Yeah, well, I mean, a, yeah. you talk about even like there's even a few running backs that are being talked about for the first round, like Najee Harris, Travis, yeah. Travis Etienne. But yeah, they're li- they're late first round though. It is definitely more of a flashy draft. Like quarterbacks and wide receivers are gonna steal the show. But oh, yeah, I've seen you get excited about. Well, yeah, for sure. But I've seen a few mock drafts have uh, four edge edge rushers going in the first round. I have a few. I have a few. I think yeah, I let's, have let's go ahead number. and let's go ahead and start with uh let's get into it. Yeah. Oh, but first, um, before we get into it, you want to do our, our would you rather uh NFL draft edition? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. All right, yeah, I'll go ahead and start on that. Yeah, I forgot about that. We have a special would you rather. We've been doing that every week. I think it's been a lot of fun so far doing those. I like it. Yeah, it's been fun. So my question for you, Elijah, is would you rather these are draft themed, so would you rather build your hypothetical NFL franchise around Mac Jones or Justin Fields? So probably Fields because Fields has the mobility. And I'm okay. kind of resting sorely on that, especially going forward in the NFL game. Because like if I'm building a team, 
that means I also have to build my O-line. If I'm starting to build out my O-line, then I'm going to need my quarterback to get out of pressure and get out and get himself out of trouble with his legs. And Mac Jones can't do that, but Justin Fields can. So that's why I would go with Justin Fields. But if I have an established O-line, that would make it a lot more interesting. That is true. I, I think I would also go with Justin Fields, not necessarily because I think he's better, but you did mention the mobility aspect. I think he is a little bit more versatile, like all around. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't knock Mac Jones's mobility too much, though, because he, he's slept on a little bit, his athleticism. I mean, any any quarterback in the college game nowadays is going to be a very good athlete. But like guys like Fields and Trey Lance are just um, leaps and bounds over. And it's Zach Wilson, too. They're they're just yeah. crazy athletes. Zach Wilson like, is very athletic. Of this top five, like Mac Jones is definitely the worst athlete. Yeah, which I, isn't yeah, a knock. I, I wouldn't disagree. It, it isn't a knock. It's just it's just the truth. Yeah. Well, I've been seeing um like stuff. It's just crazy to me that Zach Wilson, he's just been balling out ever since pro days, combines, everything started. Like he went it went from being a complete debate where the Jets were going to go with the second pick. Like, I remember yeah. about a month ago, some people were saying they may even pick Pene Sewell, the tackle from Oregon. So, yeah. um, and now he's like a minus 1,000 odds lock to be drafted second. Oh, he's going to number two for a fact, but we'll get into that later. I, I was to a podcast about him today that was a deep dive on him, and I'll tell you a little bit about that. In a second, let me just get you this would-you-rather question. So, would you rather be able to draft Trevor Lawrence – or you can draft all three of Kyle Pitts, Devontae Smith, and Jamar Chase. Okay, that's tough. Uh, I think there's a lot of variables in this question as well. Who's the quarterback? Um, you have a mid-tier, a mid-tier guy. Mid-tier so like, quarterback. So like a, a, a Jared Goff or a Jimmy Garoppolo. All right, so if I have a Jared Goff or a Jimmy Garoppolo, like I I get that Trevor Lawrence is football Jesus. He's like generational. But I mean, Kyle Pitt, that's three top ten picks. Like I don't think I could pass up on that. Cause I mean, if if it's yeah. if it's truly like a, a middle of the pack quarterback, those players around him would make him better. So I mean Or even like a, a Jameis Winston. I mean, or what's a later on? quarterback um or a drew lock drew locks your quarterback that's okay drew lock is my quarterback well that makes it harder shit yeah i think i'm still gonna take all three of them kyle pitch Jamar chase all three of them Devontae smith yeah what about you that's that that one just seems like too much juice to pass up i mean if there's like you said like football jesus um i'd probably have to go with t-law because quarterbacks are everything in this league um those guys can be good pass catchers, but somebody has to make the throws and somebody has to give them the ball. So I'd go You're right back. But dude, so. it's like all three of them, bro. Like, ah, I don't know. I know you, you would be nuts, but like, I mean, you've seen Tom Brady work with a, a skeleton crew of a receiving cord win Super Bowls. So like, that's a good point. I mean, yeah, I'm trying to think of an example where like a bummy quarterback was led by a stacked receiving core. You can't. Really it's always by a defense. Now. Typically, yeah. Uh, well, um, uh, no, no, I'm not, not going to get was, a bummy quarterback. Anyway, so that's that. But let's uh, let's showcase this this uh, very polished 
This glorious mock draft. mock draft of yours. So number one, we got Jaguars picking Trevor Lawrence. Duh. It's, this is a no-brainer. Like, it's happening. We've been knowing it's happening. Urban Meyer took the job with the Jags so he could have the opportunity to work with Trevor Lawrence as his quarterback in the NFL. That's Yeah, guaranteed. That's a lock. Zach Wilson, guaranteed. also a lock. I, I have the also same. Lock. So um, I don't I don't have my – for those listening, I don't have my podcast – or not my podcast, but my <laughs> mock draft. <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking, but – my mock draft is not pulled up right now, but I have it next to me. So if I have any different picks than Elijah, we're going to kind of talk about those and see what yeah. we think differently. So number three is already our first difference. Tell me why you went with Mac Jones, because I know the Niners are rumored to be debating between Jones and Trey Lance. So I ultimately went with Jones in this scenario because um, Cal Shanahan is the guy that wants Mac Jones. And then the personnel staff, like the the scouting departments, are the guys that wants Trey Lance. But Kyle Shanahan is your quarterback guru. He's the guy that turns, you know, coals into diamonds. Um, you got to give him what which what he wants. Basically, he's the one who's going to be put his hands on him. He's your quarterback guru. I get that. And also, too, um, they said that Mac Jones is like pretty much has all the best traits that Kyle Shanahan has had success with. He's got, you know, um, Matt Ryan, Kirk Cousins, and, like, Matt Schaub in him. So, like, he's 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 the – he is who Matt, uh, Kyle Shanahan wants because of his anticipation. Oh, you cut out at the last part. You said that's who Kyle Shanahan wants because of what? Because um, his ability to uh, process very quickly, process plays. Yeah, I could see that happening. I mean, you you would never want a situation like Jared Goff coming into the league where he had to sit out an entire year basically to learn the playbook and shit. Like, I don't even understand that happening. <clears throat> but I have a different pick for number three. Uh, I put Justin Fields because, well, I kind of – there's. I mean, you know, the rumors, all the stories, and all the gambling odds even are that Mac Jones and Trey Lance are the favorites. But I went with Justin Fields at number three because I think that's what they want you to think. That the 49ers want you to think they're going to go with Jones or Lance. They want the other teams in the league to think that. And then they're going to take Justin Fields and completely fuck everybody else's draft schedule, like their plans and whatnot. Oh, you think? It's um, far-fetched, but I don't know. That's that's my little conspiracy on the see, Niners pick. I'd love to agree with you, but the 49ers have been very uh, transparent about who they're drafting the first round in the in the yeah. John era. But see, um, that's another thing. Maybe they're like, oh, they're always going to believe with. us. I don't know. That's true. That's true. We could see. Okay, The odds so, on it were like plus 1,000 for Justin Fields now. So a lot of value in that. A lot of value. All right, yeah, let's move on, though. All right, Next so in this one, this one's definitely not going to happen. This is just what I made because there's news today that the, the Falcons are definitely staying put at four to draft Kyle Pitts. Um, but in this one, I think that uh, the Falcons' best uh, option right now is to trade down and acquire more draft capital because they have holes all over the place, and they already have a pretty good offense. They just need, they just need to solidify their defense. Um, and so I have the, the Broncos trading up to acquire the fourth pick. And even though 
Uh, and then this pick is going to be Trey Lance. And even though they acquired Teddy Bridgewater earlier today for a six-round pick, that changes literally nothing in my mind. And it actually makes me like this scenario even more because um, if the Broncos ultimately do get have the opportunity to pick a quarterback, I think it will be Trey Lance because Trey Lance can sit behind Teddy and learn for a year, maybe two, because Trey Lance is looked at as a project. Yeah, he has been looked at at a project. And I mean, it is a, a phenomenal deal, though, essentially. I mean, you're getting Teddy Bridgewater for a six-round draft pick? Like, Jesus. Well, Panthers just didn't want to pay him. Well, I mean, yeah, I know. the yeah, It went from, like, what, $7 million to now uh, he's getting paid $3 million with the Broncos, I think. Kind of a pay yeah, cut. Yeah, they, they split it up. Um, the Panthers are paying part of it, but they just didn't want to – I don't know. I think they just want to focus, focus – solely on Darnold at this point. But yeah, they sense. might also Panthers might also not be completely out of the quarterback market either. I don't know. A lot of a lot of moving parts are going on. I, I have actually seen some mock drafts with the Panthers taking a quarterback, but I really don't think they should or they will after that trade. Uh but back to the fourth pick with the Falcons, I I would agree with you that trading down wouldn't be a bad move because like you said they have holes everywhere. They need to fix their defense, and there's no defensive player that's really worth the number four pick in this year's draft. So, but the only thing though is like they have Julio, they have Calvin Ridley, they have weapons, but Kyle Pitts, man, is like I think he's generational, and I don't think they're gonna want to pass up on him. And what I'm nervous about is that they're gonna trade down this pick, and then Kyle Pitts is, and that means for the Bengals pick. Kyle Pitts, Jamar Chase, and Pene Sewell will all be available, which is like mm-hmm. all three they've been rumored to take. So mm-hmm. let's let's go ahead and see. Tell me why you have the Bengals taking Pene Sewell because uh, I, I have a little rant about the about So the I, I really like the idea of um, the Bengals being able to grab Jamar Chase and put him back up with Joe Burrow because they, they absolutely raked in <laughs> LSU together. Um, and that's that's you know that's awesome. That would be that would be electric to see in the NFL, and they'd be really good together. However, there is a reason why Joe Burrow has a gigantic scar on his knee right now, and that's because he couldn't get fucking protection. And you need to protect your quarterback. It doesn't matter how awesome him and a wide receiver would be if he can't even get the ball out of his hands because he's too busy running for his life. Get the man protection. Give him a stalwart at left tackle. Yeah, and it's not even like just like it's any left tackle. Penny Sewell is literally the best tackle prospect to come into the draft in the last decade. This man has allowed a single sack in over 1,300 snaps. That is unheard of for anything the Bengals have ever put onto the field. Like, yeah, his like you mentioned it, Joe Burrow's scar. I mean, Jesus Christ, it was front and center in their new uniform ad like announcement. They're new stripes or whatever. They're, I mean, they're kind of mm-hmm. cool, but kind of modern. I don't know. Anyway, but yeah, and the best reference I have for that is, I mean, it's kind of corny, but you can't have a nice sports car if you don't have insurance, right? It's just going to sit in your garage all day. Yeah. And you're going to have to drive a Beamer. Like, it doesn't matter who we have if it's going to be Brandon Allen, the second string quarterback, throwing the passes to them because Brandon Allen can't do shit. Uh, hate to break it to him. But I I just, as a Bengals fan, I have endured years of pain, okay? And this is what I feel like is an opportunity to make amends with the Bengals fan. 
They've drafted a lineman in their last two first rounds, but goddamn, neither one of them worked out. Billy Price is terrible. Jonah Williams has been injured most of his career already. Hopefully Williams works out maybe now that he's healthy, but who knows on that. And, I mean, a few years ago, we had a first-round flop. John Ross at number nine. Are you kidding me? It's just – it's been years of pain. And so I really, really would like to see them just go with the safe pick, the pick that the fans actually want. Because, I don't know, Mike Brown, he's not a terrible general manager, but he's not the best. And I could totally see this dude taking Jamar Chase – solely because of the reason, like you said, to bring Joe Burrow and him back from that LSU team, which would be awesome to see. Don't get me wrong. I would I would love to watch that, but I'm, I'm just terrified that Joe Burrow is never going to be able to have a successful career. Because could you imagine we don't draft alignment this, this draft, like Penny Sewell, Rashawn Slater, anybody, and then Joe Burrow gets hurt again. Dude, fans would never let – let live that down even non-bingles fans would never live that down because it's like joe bro he's supposed to be this generational kid and now we're like never going to get to see his full potential because the dicks and the suits want to sh- see a flashy wide receiver play like i don't i don't know that's my little rant on the bingles hopefully they don't fuck it up tomorrow night and uh we see an offensive tackle get taken off the board but yeah moving on elijah let's moving let's on. hear your number six so- pick so in my little draft scenario, I have the Dolphins taking Kyle Pitts. If it's in between like Pitts, Devontae Smith, and Jalen Waddle, um, even though the former two, the latter two, were uh, uh, teammates of Tua Tagovailoa, Kyle Pitts is an absolute freak. Um, he shouldn't go any further than sixth. He'll most likely go a fourth at this point. But um, in this little situation, um, I got the Dolphins taking taking Pitts. Yeah, I agree. I don't think if Pitts does slip past the Falcons, I agree the Dolphins should and will take him probably. Uh, be the last but off. yeah, in my in my mock draft, I have Jamar Chase going to the Dolphins just because in my mock draft, I don't have any receivers taken at that point, and I think he's the best receiver in the draft. What What about you? Actually, like, let's get that out of the way. Who do you think is the best receiver? Because there's like a lot of debate around that. Uh, Jamar Chase. Okay, he's yeah. got the he's got the frame. We're on the same page, um, yeah. He's got the size, and it's just kind of like uh, Devontae Smith is great, but like Jamar Chase has a uh, has everything you need, and the the tools and the traits and the physical capabilities of a NFL wide receiver. So yeah, I think if uh, even if he had played this past season, because he sat out an entire year, so if Jamar Chase had played this last season, I wouldn't be surprised if people were talking about him going like top three. You know, like he's crazy athletic. Well, he probably would be, except of all these quarterbacks that everybody's screaming yeah. for yeah. already. So, you know, but it right, is what it is. Pick number seven. This is my second and last trade that I cooked up for this NFL draft. I thought about doing more, but then it got really complicated and I kept on going back and forth on a lot of stuff. So I just kind of stopped it after this. Um, I said that the Lions are going to trade down with the new England Patriots to acquire Justin Fields, the Patriots are reportedly enamored with Justin Fields, um, and they want to leap above the Panthers to get him. And, um, yeah, that's pretty much why I'm going with this. Um, Bill Belichick has never been – I don't think he's ever traded up in the first round to draft a guy. But he's also never spent an exorbitant amount of money in free agency. So he's doing a lot of things, thinking outside the box. He needs – I think he – 
is kind of he needs to realize that he needs to pick a guy in the first round to get this. The only thing I could see stopping um, a move to uh, draft Fields would be is that if he had the opportunity to draft Jimmy Garoppolo. Okay, yeah, I can see that. I I really haven't heard much about the Patriots being like enamored with Fields though, because like my first assumption was that Mac Jones. Uh, fits more the Patriots offensive scheme like he fits their style more and originally he was who the Patriots were interested in I heard Mm -hmm. yeah this has been kind of new I've read it on Twitter and uh, a little bit on Reddit is that uh the Patriots want their guy they even reportedly tried to trade up to four with the Falcons to try and take fields but wow um yeah but uh uh, well they have to give up for that but probably King's ransom I mean yeah Especially fifteen to four, it's a it's a lot of future first round picks. Yeah, I don't think that would be worth it even because who knows? I mean, maybe Justin Fields goes early, but these guys are all top caliber quarterbacks. Like, I really don't think you're going to go wrong with the top five. Yeah. Um, all right, moving on to number eight. Here's where our first receiver goes off the board. Jamar Chase. Like I said, he's the best wide receiver in this draft class. Um, Panthers can't afford to pass him up. Panthers might also take a cornerback, either in J.C. Horn or Patrick Sertain the second. Um, but at this point, in this scenario, in my head, if Jamar Chase is still available, then the Panthers have to go ahead and take him because it would put Sam Darnold in the best position to succeed with weapons like um, Robbie Anderson and uh, God, what's his? Why am I blanking on him? They're Big DJ Moore. DJ Moore's and, pretty uh, good. Yeah. Robbie Anderson's underrated though. I think Robbie Anderson's yeah, pretty he good. He had a really he had a really good year last year. And um CMC. So like with CMC is a, a passing threat too out of the backfield. Yeah, yeah I, so I agree like, that the Panthers should go with the receiver, but I've seen mock drafts all over the place. I've seen the Panthers take in a quarterback, even. I've seen them go in wide receiver, linebacker with Micah Parsons, I've seen, and like you said, cornerbacks. So this is, I think, going to be one of the more interesting picks, like yeah. unpredictable, uh, that could shape like how the rest of the first round goes. On my mock draft, I have, uh, for my sixth, seventh, and eighth pick, I have three receivers in a row. Jamar Chase to the Dolphins, Jalen Waddle to the Lions, and then Devontae Smith to the Panthers. But okay. they could also go in any order. I, I mean, I really... Yeah. Um, no, well, I think the Panthers are in a really interesting position because they can make a, any number of moves, and I don't think any of them would be the wrong move. Exactly, yeah. I think but, any of these guys that have been rumored to go to them in the mock drafts and stuff, I don't think they're really a bad decision. Yeah, I think it's I think it's the best uh, best decision for the Panthers to stand pat at eight, even though there's been rumors of them maybe trading up and or even trading down. I think they should stay at eight and pick probably the best player available. I think the only way they should trade down is if they're planning on drafting Micah Parsons, the linebacker out of Penn State, because I think he will yeah. be available in like the teens, like early teens. Mm-hmm. So if they could manage that, that'd be a good move, I think. But I, I think they should get a receiver just to, to help. Yeah. All right. Um, at number nine with the Falcons, or I have who traded down with the Broncos. I have them taking Rashawn Slater, the second best tackle in this draft. Some people even have him as the best tackle in this draft. Um, but in my my whole thing with rebuilding teams, I think that before you do anything, 
you get a good old line because a good old line makes your entire offense better. It makes your running backs better. It gives your quarterback more time to throw and giving your quarterbacks more time to throw makes your receivers better. So that's kind of my thought process with this because they have holes all over. I could also, they could probably, they should probably also go defense, but um, I don't know that Rashawn Slater, if they're saying, if he's possibly better than Sewell, then the Falcons shouldn't pass him up. Yeah, I think I think Slater is the top ten talent. Like he's worthy of a top ten pick too. I personally think, from what I've seen, that Sewell is the better prospect. Uh, but I have heard that theory that Slater's pretty good. Um, I agree. I like that pick though at nine with the Falcons. I, I mine's a little bit different, of course. I didn't have that drop down, so I still have the Broncos at number nine, and I actually have the Broncos taking Trey Lance at number nine, which is where you had them taking him at number four. So mm-hmm. I think that they could still be able to come away with him at number nine. It's just whether or not they're going to want to risk it. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of clamoring, I think, as soon as we – for uh, for teams to trade up and draft a quarterback, especially starting with seven, because I think it sounds like – it seems to me at this point that the Falcons are going to stand pat. The Bengals aren't going to – the Bengals aren't going to trade down. They, they definitely want their opportunity to draft a, a difference maker for their offense. Mm-hmm. And then – the Dolphins already traded back up, so I don't see them trading back down again. They might though, because they're they're frisky. They're, I don't know who knows what they got planned going on. They're, They've been doing some weird stuff, even in free agency. Like, did you see they just sent who was it? Like Eric Flowers or Fowlers back yeah. to Washington a year after yeah. they signed him. Like they literally just like yeah, lost man. money on him. I don't know. Who knows, man? But it's working for them because they've gotten they're winning. Since, yeah, yeah, they're winning more games. Shit. Ever since they got Brian Flores, so I think they're in a great position to succeed. But anyway, moving on to my 10th pick to my Dallas Cowboys. Uh, I have them picking Patrick Sertain, cornerback out of Alabama. He was the SEC Defensive Player of the Year. And if he is a 10, the Cowboys should absolutely lock him up and put him in a Cowboys uniform because he would be great as a pair with uh, his former Alabama teammate, Trevon Diggs. And um, I would love to see him help shore up our cowboy, our horrible cow, Cowboys defense. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with this pick 100%. Cowboys should definitely take a cornerback. I think Patrick Sertain's the best option. A lot of people – I've seen some mock drafts with Caleb Farley up here, but mm-hmm. I don't think he's as good as Sertain. I think he's <laughs> better. I'd rather go with Sertain. Yeah. It's right. hard to win SEC Defensive Player of the Year. So down to number 11 now. You have the Giants staying. Interesting. Okay, I have the Giants trading down in mine. So t- tell me why you have the Giants really? staying at 11. Yeah. So I, I have the Giants staying at 11 to pick Devontae Smith because um, part of their offseason program was to put – our plan was to uh, put Daniel Jones in a position to succeed by signing K- Kenny Galladay to a massive contract, adding some corners in defense. But um, they need to continue to add that and would make a elite receiving core for D- – uh, Danny Dimes over here with uh, Kenny Galladay. Um, God, what's their guy uh, that they had last year that's decent? Um, Slater? From who, who are you talking about again? For the Giants. Receiver, are you saying? Slayton? Yeah, receiver. Slayton, Slayton. yes. Yeah. Darius Slayton. God. Sorry, I didn't um, hear the first part. I kind of, yeah. Yeah. Darius Slayton, um, he's a beast. And, yeah. And, uh, and Evan Ingram paired up with Devontae Smith. That I mean, like. That'd be a wet dream for Giants fans. Yeah, I, I would like that too. If I think the Giants are going to trade down, but if they don't, 
I think a wide receiver would be the best move for them. Uh, so in my mock draft, it's kind of interesting. You have the Patriots trading up a little bit higher than me. I have the Patriots trading to 11. Uh, there's been rumors that the Giants are going to trade down. And actually, I don't know how true this is, but the Los Angeles Chargers Twitter account tweeted like this just in we're picking 11th and like it was like a graphic they had created showing that like the the giants received the 13th pick and a second round next year and then the chargers received the 11th pick in this year's draft so it was like and they like instantly deleted it and then people were like oh what so like no way nobody knows but i don't know i think the giants have definitely been entertaining offers to trade down so I'm curious to see what they do. I have them trading down so the Patriots can come up and take Mac Jones, but I'm starting to think the more I talk about it, the more I look at it, that Mac Jones is probably going to go to the 49ers. So now, that's one of the reasons why I love the draft so much. There's so much smoke and mirrors. There's a lot to get into. So many rumors and so so many possibilities. So much room for activities. Um, <laughs> so much room for activities. Uh, yeah, quote. So, yes, sir. So then at 12, I got Eagles taking Jalen Waddle. They have to – I thought about having them trade up for a quarterback, but I ultimately didn't because I think they'll probably try and give Jalen Hurts a full year to maybe try and be the guy before they – they'll probably be in the quarterback market next year, though, I will say. Um, and uh, But they're going to get another weapon because their wide receiver core is still hot garbage. Yeah, I have the Eagles here taking uh, J.C. Horn, cornerback out of South Carolina. They need help on defense, so that's that's just my reasoning behind it, really. And mostly because on my mock draft, Waddle's already gone. But this move would make sense if he's available, I think, too. Yeah. And then right. the 13 with the Chargers, I've been picking the third best tackle in this draft, Christian Derisaw. Um I think uh, – they just want to protect Justin Herbert's blind side. There's really not – I don't know too much about Derisaw. I just uh, went through a bunch of big board rankings through all the, the main guys like uh, McShay and Daniel Jeremiah and Kuiper and all that, and they all have Derisaw at three. So um, I think that the Chargers need to grab a tackle there. They could also, if uh, Rashawn Slater is available or they tr- they are definitely picking him, they could even trade up to get Rashawn Slater, which would be awesome for Chargers. Um, that's yeah. That's basically what I'd say about that pick. Yeah, I think Chargers need to need to go with O line here too. Same mm-hmm. same situation is well, not same situation as the Bengals, but they got their guy in last year's draft. He's a stud. They need to protect him and build around him. Yep. I think O line's the best move for them. And either option, I mean, Darisau is not bad. He's a good offensive line prospect. It's just he's mm-hmm. kind of getting overshadowed by these studs of Sewell and Slater. So. Yeah, and then down. Um, then, let's go ahead and skip. Maybe let's let's skip to like the Micah Parsons pick because Micah Parsons yeah. been probably one of the bigger names on the defensive side of the board. Uh, he's just also been everywhere, like all over the place on the mock draft. So, so another reason why I made this uh, made this lines. I think the lines are going to trade down is because they've been linked with Micah Parsons to really like him. Um, and Dan Campbell wants guys that'll bite your kneecaps off, and that's definitely what Mike, Micah Parsons will do because he's just a, a freak in nature. Yeah, he's, he's very versatile. The, yeah, so he's one of those guys. Um, and so I think, and I think that the Lions are in a position at seven where they could trade down and uh, and still be able to grab Micah Parsons. 
That'd be a phenomenal move on the Lions' part, though. Trade down and still come away with Parsons. Yeah. I think they it's totally that, doable, too. Totally doable. Absolutely. They, they need to trade down. Yeah, I could see that happening. All right, J.C. Horn to South. Okay, yeah, I can see that happening. Patrick Peterson replacement, not much more than that. Um, Here's what I want to talk about. Raiders, Raiders right here at 17. You have them taking Trayvon Moore. I got a TCU. I would love to see this considering, you know, we're, we go to TCU. It would be cool to see, but – I have Mora going a little bit later in my draft at 25 to the Jaguars. Yeah, he could go pretty much this is where we start talking about him. He's definitely going to go in the 20s if he doesn't go here. Um, the Raiders have been no strangers to picking safeties in the first round in this in this range. And if they find out they like – and safety is one of their needs. So if they if they like him a lot, I could, I could see him taking more in the, at this spot. Yeah, I, I, what, where do I have the Raiders going with? I have the Raiders taking offensive linemen just because, like, their O-line used to be considered one of the best in the league, and last season it was one of the lowest-rated lines in the league. So I just think – because, I mean, who is it I have them taking? Uh, Elijah Vera Tucker from USC. It's just – there's a lot uh, of good linemen in this draft. Like, there's a I lot easily, of good linemen. It's, it's deep but lacking – elite prospects outside of Slater and Sewell. You're right, yeah. That's how it's been described. Um, but no, I like that pick a lot, actually, the Raiders went in and did that because they've like completely redone their O-line this past offseason. Yeah, weird. like completely. It is – it's weird. It's not even the same like line, essentially. But, I mean, if you look at teams like the Cowboys, they, got- they have like a whole new line almost because they've gotten fucked over with injuries. Yeah, injuries and just guys getting older. But um, no, I think the Raiders had like four guys go away. Maybe like, yeah, it's definitely definitely three. I think it's four. So I, I could definitely see him going with, uh, with the guard out of USC too. Yeah. All right. And then here is where people think the edge rushers are going to start going. You and I have a pretty similar – section right here except for the bears pick uh first i want to talk about the edge rushers do you think quid pay is the best edge rusher in the draft he's been seen as the safest pick i don't know if he's the best but um some of the other guys have seen a little bit riskier the thing with this draft is because there's no uh quote-unquote war daddy to kind of you know that you need to go get no miles garrett's or bradley chubbs this year um so the Dolphins do need help on the defensive side of the ball because they have gotten rid of some guys like Kyle Van Noy and a couple other guys that they've signed recently. So I can easily see him going with the defensive side of the ball to help strengthen up the, that their defense, which is already really good defense. I, I have the exact same pick, I, same reasoning. I think Pay is going to be available here. And like you said, I don't know if he is the best option, but I, I would say he's the safest option just based off his skill set and build and everything like that. My favorite, though, is a little bit of a riskier pick is Gregory Rousseau. I really like Rousseau out of Miami. I think he's a beast. Uh, but he his what's his teammate's name? There's two players out of Miami that are like potential first rounders. Oh my goodness. He's an edge rusher too. Yeah. I know you're talking about is yeah. the guy so is Rousseau the guy who's medically redshirted in 2018? 
Uh, I would have to fact check that. I'm not entirely okay. sure. Because there is another guy who used to play. Fuck, I wish I could use more than my phone right now to, for the stream, but broken computer. Oh, well. It'd be like that. Yeah. But um. Here, I mean, I can look nah. that up. Yeah, let's do that. And what then are we it, looking up? Um, just look up Miami Edge Rushers NFL Draft. Okay. Um. And then. At 19, so Jalen Phillips, Gregory. that's his name. Jalen that's Phillips. That's right. Yeah, I knew he, he's been talked guy. about in the first round too, but I just think Gregory Rousseau is a little bit better. Yeah, there's a lot of guys this year that are looking, a lot of edge rushers that are like, this guy could sneak into the first round, but he's definitely a day two pick. There's a lot of those edge rushers like that, like bottom of the first round could or like day two. I don't know. I know. I want to hear why you have the Bears going with Davis Mills. Okay, so kind of like I said right here in this uh, first sentence in my blog is that name a better duo, Ryan Pace, and reaching for a quarterback. You can't. You can't. (laughs) That's Um, a good point, but, dude, I don't – oh, man, imagine being a Bears fan and they take Davis. Like, Well, it's just the life of a Bears fan. Um. So he is the sixth best quarterback in this draft, but he is miles away from the other five guys. Um, miles, yeah. In terms, yeah, he is not. He is a day two prospect, which means if I were a GM, I'd probably pick him in the second, maybe even the third round. Um, he's got a lot of physical traits that you look for in a guy. He's got great size. He's six foot four. He's got a really good. He has really good arm strength. However, he doesn't have a lot of tape out there and not a lot of very impressive tape. So I don't know. But I could see this as a guy is that who has some of the intangibles that you look for in a, in a quarterback and the Bears just falling in love with them and doing Bears things. and just It know, would be a kinda, very Bears move to take, take Mills here. You know, kind of like uh, the same thing that happened with Jordan Love last year is that, you know, a team will fall in love with a guy in the 20s and then just go ahead and pick him before a team will grab him in the second round. Yeah, speaking of Jordan Love, I've heard there's rumors now that Green Bay is, is considering trading him after they like publicly stated that Aaron Rodgers is their quarterback for the foreseeable future. That's so dumb. It is so dumb. It's all, that's another pick. In the first place. Yeah, that's another pick I want to get into is the, the Packers pick, but we'll get there in a yeah. second. Right, yeah, so, so the Bears, um, I have them go and tackle. It would be a very Bears move to take that, but – Let's see here. I have the same thing, actually. I have Rashad Bateman going to the Titans. Mm-hmm. And then the Jets. Najee Harris. Interesting. You have him going to the Jets. Yeah. So this is kind of one where it's just me thinking. I know the more likely scenario is him going to the Steelers. That's but I'm going I have to the Jets be- Yeah. So I have him going to the Jets because one of the reasons why the Jets love Zach Wilson so much is because of his – play action ability and who's going to give him the best, you know, the best chance for success off the play action is a great running back like Najee Harris. So that's kind of the reason. As a Jets fan though, how exciting would that be to come out of the first round with a new quarterback and a new running back? Shit. Yeah. Like if I were the Jets, I do not want Zach Wilson handing the ball off to Frank Gore. I'm sorry. I love Frank Gore. He's, you know, NFL great, you know, but like he, He's not your running back of the future. and so Or even past next season if he can survive, dude. No kidding. But um, 
So yeah, that's why I have them go in Najee Harris. I could also see them go guard with Elijah Ver Tucker if he's available right here. That'd probably be the more sensible pick because kind of, you know, the theme that we've been going on, if you have a young quarterback, give him a line to protect him. Yeah. I I actually have the Jets going defense here. I had them taking Greg Newsome out of Northwestern, the cornerback. Okay. It was a little bit of a – Yeah, a little bit just because, like, they need to fill gaps all around. But the way you mentioned that, I would actually be excited to see Najee Harris go to the Jets. That would be an interesting pick. I just yeah. think it's more likely – this he's gonna fall to the Steelers because I mean the Steelers also who's their running back now James Connor is gone. Yeah, they don't really have one. Yeah, like they don't even they're have probably one. they're probably in the running back market. But like, I think the running back too is like you can wait till day two. You can wait till the second or third round to pick a guy and still feel really comfortable with who you have. Yeah, that's actually kind of like a something I wanted to bring up with you is like where do you think running backs in modern day NFL drafts should be valued because I was reading an article the other day and I saw that since 1963, there have only been three NFL drafts where that have not included a running back in the first round. And all three of them have been since 2013. So, and also on top of that, like in 1980s, 20% of first round picks were running backs. And then fast forward to the last five years, only 5% of first round picks were running backs. So, like, where do you think they should be valued nowadays? Um, if they're great, bottom of the first round. Wait, like, do you I, think I, there's... I would, I would not spend a top ten pick on a on a running back. I mean, just look at. Okay, I love Zeke. At, with the Cowboys, he was great his rookie year. He was, you know, he was great in his first contract. But up until the second contract, he hasn't been that good. And if I draft a guy with the fourth overall pick, I want him to I want to I want him to live up to that second contract. And with running backs, you're really not getting that. Look at a guy, you know, look at look at Leonard Fournette, who's drafted fourth overall by the Jaguars. Um, he didn't even get a second contract from the Jags. He was cut. Yeah. Um, look at Todd Gurley, who's picked 10th overall. He got a second contract, and they wanted to get rid of him so bad they traded him for pennies to the foul, or they cut him. They didn't even trade him, they cut him. So like no, absolutely not. I would not draft a running back in the first 10 picks, not even the first 16. I'd probably I'd, – I'd look for running backs in the 20s maybe if he's if he's a stud. Yeah, like, I think it's can, it's hard to say that like, you know, if there's like a running back that comes out of college winning like two Heisman Awards, he's like a freak of nature, like that would be so, like a different story. But late, especially in the last few years, like – Running backs have just been so disposable, like so disposable. You can even you can look at it even from a fantasy football point of view. Like your starting running back goes down, what do you do? You just pick up his backup, even if it's like a no name. That's just what you do because like they're gonna get yards. They're gonna get like running backs are disposable. Well, certain ones, I will say that there are some running backs that are above like levels above the rest of the crew in the NFL. But yeah, I agree with you. I think they should really only be valued at the end of the first round, like basically where they're valued right now. At most, at yeah. most. People have said like Najee Harris is expected to go in the in the twenties, like probably to the Steelers at twenty four. But I've even seen people have Travis Etienne out of Clemson going like pick thirty, like late thirty. I mean, look at the best guys in the league right now: Alvin Kamara, third round. Um, yeah, Dalvin Cook, second round. Joe Mixon, second round. I mean, Saquon Barkley, different story. 
but like, he's one of those guys yeah, her, that I think yeah. is just like he's like he's the he's the uh he's the rare exception, which there's always exceptions to every rule. Um yeah, I mean I'm trying Barkley to think of he's just one of those freaks of nature, man. Which yeah, I really I mean, want to see him play, dude. I just want to see him play. He's been hurt. And another thing about running backs too is they just they hardly ever live up to their second contract because they're just so beat up and they get they take so many hits. So that's another thing too. That's very true. All right, let's see here. Is there any other debatable picks coming out? Hmm. I want to talk get? about my uh, – oh, which one are you going to point out? No, you go ahead. I was going to say the the uh, either the Ravens pick or the Packers pick we could talk about. Yeah, I like the Packers. We could talk about the Packers. Here, wait, tell me about the Ravens, though, because I, I have some um, – I have them going with Terrence Marshall, too. Yeah, just because uh, they need a big body at wide receiver, they they've slacked so much the position the past couple years. Just please give Lamar Jackson a weapon. Um, so that's that's pretty much least, that. And it, at least somebody that's bigger than Hollywood Brown. Yeah, all their receivers are undersized. So just and I mean they had Des Bryant last year, but like he's a shell of his former self. So and he wasn't even there the whole time. All right, Packers pick now. I have them going same exact route. Kadarius Tony, really? exactly what you said. Packers fan rejoice. <laughs> like they have needed to take a wide receiver now for a few years, and I think this is finally the draft they're going to do it. I, I really don't know what else they could do with this pick. I I would just hate to see it for Packers fans because I mean I have nothing against Packers fans so. It would kind of suck for them to just suffer on that. I guess you may have something against the Packers because, you know, Des caught it and whatnot. No, I actually don't. I actually, for some reason, really like Aaron Rodgers, even though he's killed my dreams time in and time out. <laughs> um, I don't know. I I don't know why. It's, I, I, even though I'm kind of supposed to, but I, I, I do. I, I like Aaron Rodgers. But Kadarius Tony would be awesome for the Packers because – Think about who they already have on the roster. They all have big body guys. They have Devontae, um, Devontae Adams. Um, they have Alan Lazard, and they have um, Mark Marquez Valdez Scantling. Those are all big bodies. Card- Cardarius Tony is a more of a slot receiver, and he excels in the slot. So he'd be perfect on the inside with Devontae and Lazard lining up on the outside. I mean, that would just give Aaron Rodgers would have a field day with this guy. Yeah. I hope. I'm hoping that Kadarius falls to the Packers and they pick him. Apparently, they really like Rashad Bateman, but they, Rashad Bateman's another big body guy, and I think he might be gone at that point. And I, I, I think, think he will be too. Best, I think the best fit for the Packers right now is Kadarius Tony. Yeah, I, I agree, like wholeheartedly, exactly what you said. You hit the nail on the head with that. He would be a great playmaker for their offense, fit perfectly. I think Bateman is a better receiver overall. Um, but I do think he's going to be gone by here. And I that would be tough, though. You know, if Bateman was still available, that would be a tough decision. But I, I think you're right, Bateman. though, Tony fit. They probably would, just straight up. But I think Tony is, like, kind of their missing piece, per se. Because mm-hmm. when you look at it, Rodgers has had incredible success with, like, those smaller slot guys. Like, you can, you can consider Jordy Nelson a slot guy, even. Well, Devontae Smith, I mean, Devontae Adams does a lot of uh, stuff out of the slot, too. But uh, Yeah, well, because he's fast enough to do that. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, and then another pick I really like is if uh, ETN to the Bills. The Bills have a glaring hole at running back, and it just give Josh Allen some relief to ha- have a guy to hand the ball off to, or maybe dump off and some in- for some screen plays because ETN is uh, versatile in the pa- in the pass game. So that's probably I would like that pick actually. That'd be that'd be fun to see because I mean that'd be also just the Bills are a young team right now in general. So if they could get a running back as well to build around, that'd be that'd be a good move. I have. The Bills going with uh, an edge rusher, Gregory Rousseau, the one we were talking about earlier, just because uh, like they have Jerry Hughes, who's getting really old at this point. Uh, you probably remember Hughes. Hughes is a TCU player. Yeah, he's like TCU. a legend. Uh, but he's been the captain of their defense for quite some time now, and he's just probably getting to the point where he needs a replacement. And I think Rousseau would be a great fit. So that's I think those are really the only other debatable picks. I mean, these both make sense. I have the same thing. Tevin's Tevin Jenkins going to the Bucks. So yeah, I could totally I have a linebacker going to the Ravens. Same thing. Yep. Yeah. One thing though now I wanted to get in is we kind of talked about it a little bit, is like the red flags before draft night and stuff like that. Yeah. Can you pull up? Did I send you that uh Reddit post? Can you pull that up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give me a second. Uh I'll okay. I'll pull it up. All right. But um Kind of in honor of draft week, I saw this Reddit thread about uh, like dumbest red flags that we've ever seen of like why a guy didn't get drafted or a guy got taken off uh, a team's draft board. And some of them are pretty ridiculous. Some um, of them are very ridiculous. Yeah, here, I'll pull it up on my phone while uh, if you get the visual up on here. Yeah, I'm getting it up right now. I'm working on it. Um, saved. Okay, so <coughs> excuse me. Damn. All right, here we go. I think I got it now. All right, bet. So Mike Singletary took Matthew Stafford off his draft board because Stafford didn't want to talk about his parents' divorce. <laughs> <laughs> That's ridiculous, bro. I know, right? That's just, um, just comedy, though. At this point, yeah. Uh, I think forty nine Singletary is the head coach of the. 49ers or the Bears at that point? I don't, I don't even remember. But yeah, this Reddit thread, I read through most of it, and it there's some funny ones that I didn't even remember. Like, I don't re- I know I remember this name, DeBrickashaw Ferguson. I just remember the name because it was an iconic name. Like, who names their child DeBrickashaw? <laughs> I mean, it's it's kind of cool, honestly, if you ask me, but his commitment to football was questioned. Because he enjoyed playing the saxophone as a hobby. That's fucking ridiculous. That's kind of like, um, I remember last year, I think it was last year, uh, Mecky Becton, the, uh, the lineman that went to the Jets, he had his commitment to football questioned because he had a passion for cooking. Like, Oh, yeah, because they said that uh, he liked cooking so much and they, they thought that would contribute to his weight. Yeah, it's really, like, bro. How do you get fat? That's kind of funny. Like the fact that he can um, cook probably means he can make himself healthier options, you know? Like Apparently this this one's kind of not ridiculous, but um it is kind of ridiculous what they pulled is that Tampa Bay had someone sit in Justin Blackman's favorite bar, the wide receiver out of Baylor, every day to see how often he'd come in to drink. 
And after Blackman kept coming in, they took him off their board, which is honestly a pretty good call because he did end up falling out of lead because of suspense abuse. But Jeez. it's funny that, it, that, that teams uh, go this. And then, um, uh, oh, this uh, article about they roasted the J.J. Watt pick and said it was bad because uh, J.J. worked as a pizza delivery man. And uh, he was too nice, and the Texans should have drafted Nick Fairley because he's mean. Well, that pick seemed to work out for the Texans. I mean, shit. Well, Mm -hmm. now it's not so much because he's gone, but, I mean, he had a hell of a career with him. Um, I remember, too, a few years ago, uh, Laramie Tunzel. He was another lineman. Um, I think he plays for the Dolphins right now, I'm pretty sure. But – he was a top 10 pick projected and there was literally like hours before the draft happened. There was a video of him smoking weed out of a gas oh, mask. Yeah, the gas mask. Yeah. It was huge. Um, it flew up like everywhere before the draft. No, that happened at the draft. Like it was okay. Well, yeah. Cause I just it remember it happening like on Twitter, like seconds before and stuff. And like, he fell, like yeah. he plummeted on the board and stuff like that, but he still got taken first round. Yeah, he got taken 13th, but he was not supposed to go 13th. He was supposed to go, like... Top 10. That was the year where the Rams traded up to take Goff, and um, the Titans, or I think it was the Titans that were at that spot, and they were rumored to take Tunzel at, at first overall. So, I mean, the dude basically slid from first overall to 13th because of a gas mask bomb pick. Yeah, dude, um, that's crazy. It's pretty funny, though, shit. From a and fan's then, perspective, what other ones are there? There's There's been a, a lot that I've seen. Like, I read that Tampa Bay had someone. Yeah, this is the bar one. Like, jeez, dude. Oh, wait. I got to read the whole discussion. JJ Wild. Um, there was uh, questions about Miles Garrett's commitment and toughness because he liked dinosaurs. <laughs> what the fuck? That didn't even make yeah. sense. This is uh, Jim Schwartz reportedly gave Matthew Stafford a hard time because he didn't show up to his draft interview completely clean shaven. <laughs> yeah. And then just a lot of one that comes up is like uh, if guys have just like any sort of passion or commitment outside of football, their question, their uh, commitment to football gets questioned. Like um, Josh Rosen was a guy because he had options outside of football to make a lot of money. Um, was questioned because, you know, because he had options. But, I mean, the guy's been kicked and tossed around the league and should probably be out if he didn't love football already, but he's still trying to make it on teams right now. So that's kind of a bogus one too. Do I think um, this one's pretty funny, the Mariota one? Yeah, he's such a nice guy. Yeah, this is Marcus Mariota is such a nice guy. That, like his biggest red flag was that he had no red flags. <laughs> that's pretty funny. I mean, shit, maybe it was a red flag because, I mean, he doesn't have a starting job anymore. Yeah, but there's um, just a bunch of them, dude. Like, I, like is there any this year? Because, I mean, there's been people talking about Justin Fields questioning, you know, his, uh, his work, his work ethic, ethic and whatnot. Yeah. Um, I've heard Trevor Lawrence doesn't love football. I don't know what's uh, – because I think, like, his high school coach said something like, oh, if he – Wanted to walk if he wanted to walk away from the game right now, he could or something. Why would he? I don't know. No, I don't, I don't know. Uh, 
so that's been one that's tossed around. Um, I don't know. I haven't they, these these things usually come out after the draft, but they're 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 always seem to stay pretty ridiculous. But they've the NFL's kind of gotten better in the last like five ten years, I think, because I haven't seen as many. But there used to be a lot where it's just like really that's why you're taking them off your yeah, board. like they're stretching way too hard. I saw even on this year's draft the Eagles, um, one of the Eagles front office people, I forgot his name, one of the executives. Uh, he said that during like Zoom interviews and stuff with the athletes, the prospects, he would literally play them in rock, paper, scissors to measure their level of uh, competition. Oh, that was Sirianni, their head coach. Oh, okay. I didn't I didn't see the actual video. I just saw like a report yeah. on it. Yeah. That's funny. Um, Imagine being an athlete and then like you're like super nervous to like talk to the coaches and stuff, and then all of a sudden they're like all right, son, put your fist up, play me rock, paper, scissors. Like, I, that would just be so weird. I'd be like, uh, fuck off. <laughs> it's like, uh, do I have to? Can we talk about the playbook? <laughs> yeah, like, sir, I need to learn these plays if you're going to pick me. Yeah. Can, I, can you just pick my brain real quick about what I understand about my offense or defense? <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, love it, is, it or love it? Yeah, I was just about to say, I think it's just about that time. Uh, you want to, I'll go ahead and take the first set. All right. All righty. So for those of you that don't know, this is everybody's favorite segment. Love it or loathe it. Here we fire off some rapid topics that have been happening over the last week in sports. We try to keep the time to a minimum. We get through them as fast as possible. If we love it, we're going to stop and talk about it for a little bit. If we loathe it, we're just going to say it and move on. So Elijah is going to start off with throwing the topics at me and I'm ready whenever you are. All right, Spotify founders seeking to attempt a joint bid in the range of two billion pounds alongside Arsenal legends Thierry Henry and Dennis Bergkamp. All right, so I love this one. You guys, if you've listened, you probably already know I'm a massive Arsenal fan. You can even see the little scarf there in the background. I love it. I have been a big, big, big proponent of Hashtag Kroenke out, who Stan Kroenke is the owner of Arsenal, who also owns the Los Angeles Rams, amongst other teams in America. Kroenke has ruined Arsenal. Okay, he, He's taken the love of the game out of it and completely made it like money, 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 basically. like Everything is about making money to him. He doesn't really care what the fans want. And so now to finally see after protest after protest that somebody who truly cares about the team – is trying to buy the team and make a difference and change it. So it would be great to see the Spotify owner. That'd be awesome. I mean, especially too with some Arsenal legends. Like, that'd be great. I will say, though, it's Thierry Henry. Just want to say that. Oh, my bad. No, you're good. You're good. Um, it's, it's well, they're weird. European. It's, it's your, weird. They're European, yeah. so it's a little different. Um, so FC Schalke fans halt the team bus and chase their own players with eggs in an angry mob after being regulated to the second division of the Bundesliga. I love this. It was fucking hilarious, dude. I don't know if you saw the video, but this team has done so bad this season. They got kicked out of the top league into the second tier league and their own fans after the game were surrounding the bus to the point where the players had to get off and run for their lives, and people were chasing them with eggs and shit, pelting them. Like, it was just chaos, so I, I thought it was hilarious. But, yeah, moving yeah, on. You'd, you'd never see that in America. Exactly, yeah. Um, 
Baylor women's basketball coach and Hall of Famer Kim Mulkey leaves the program for LSU. Wow. I loathe it. It's that she was she's a legend, been there 21 years, one of the best coaches in the country. Moving on. Um, the Pioneer League has opted to do a new form of extra innings by having a home run derby instead of a traditional option. I love it. I saw this. It's it's really interesting. It's gonna definitely speed up the game of baseball. It would be more fun, I think, for the fans, but will it change the outcome of games? Definitely, like 100%. You know, so I wonder how that will work out. I don't think anything like that will ever come to the MLB, but I think it's cool to see something different. I like it. All right. Um, the Knicks secretly tried to acquire Michael Jordan in 1996. <laughs> I heard about this too. I love it. I don't, Knicks are always trying to get the big names. Yeah. Whatever. Oh, I think you're going to love this. Uh, Warriors become the first team to launch their own NFT collection. I do love this, bro. I do. I If you guys listen to a few of our past episodes, we talk about NBA Top Shot, which is an in- NFT format, digital collectibles. I think it's the future. I love it. Good to see the Warriors on board. Do you think it'll compete with Top Shot? I don't. I don't. Kinda- I don't think it will yet, maybe. I mean, it depends on how the platform is, you know. Like, I don't really know. I haven't, like, used it per se, so. I don't know. It might, it might uh, drive some of your cards' value down. Hey, you know, I'm in it for the long haul, you know. Okay. Right. I believe. Um, Antonio Brown signed a $6 million deal with the Bucks. With his signing, the Bucks bring all 22 of their Super Bowl starters back. I love it. I, I love seeing AB in the league. It's it's just kind of an interesting story, the way he fell out, all this drama and everything, and now he's back. I, I just think it's kind of funny. So Antonio Brown is definitely good enough to be in the NFL, so I'm glad he's back for another year. What do you think about the Bucks bringing all 22 of their starters back? That's crazy. Like, when was the last time that's happened? Do you know? Like, ever. Ever? I yeah, ever I wouldn't happened. be surprised if it's never happened. Like, a Super Bowl team retaining everybody – I don't know if a team has ever even retained everybody. There's always a lot of turnover in any league. Yeah. Dude, they, they're uh, probably like going to be really heavy favorites to win the Super Bowl then in that case. Oh, yeah. And, well, and they're also looking to bring back uh, Blaine Gabbert, their backup quarterback. <laughs> like it's not stopping. Uh, yeah. The Kansas City Royals have the best record in the American League at 14-8. and eight. I love it. I, I don't – I mean, it's nice to see the Yankees struggling. I'll say that, but not a huge Royals fan. So love it. Moving on. All right. All righty. You're up now. Let's go ahead and get into it. All right. First things first. In a UFC 261 presser, Dana White calls Jake Paul's boxing a circus, claiming everything he does is fake. So I love this. This is starting mad beef between UFC and the Paul brothers. Um, <laughs> it's kind of also refuting my claim that Jake Paul is the face of boxing because, like, he's saying that all they all their numbers are bullshit. And, like, I could buy that. I could buy that Triller, this company that I've never heard of before until the Paul brothers started boxing, is making up their numbers. Because who reported on these numbers that they sold? Jake Paul. You're right. Jake Paul's a Jake Paul's full of fucking cap. So like, <laughs> like straight up capper, dude. I, yeah, well, I, love I don't know. I don't know where they got the numbers too. And Triller is like, oh yeah, sorry. Uh, Triller's kind of old. They're like an app. It's weird, but yeah. Um, All right, next topic. 
Dallas Cowboys linebacker Sean Lee retires from the NFL after 11 seasons. Um, I love it, but I love it. Uh, it was a great. He had a great career. Um, he uh, he a lot of good memories. Uh, he's injured way too much. Yeah. I wish we could have got him a ring with the Cowboys, um, but I'm glad he spent his entire career with the Cowboys, and he will be missed. All right. Chris Paul delivers a dagger in the clutch, a fadeaway three-pointer with a hand in the face to end the New York Knicks NBA long win streak. Love it. All right. Shohei Otani becomes the first player in the MLB to start as a pitcher while leading the league in home runs since Babe Ruth. I love this. This is awesome. Shohei is changing the game. I mean, if you've downloaded MLB The Show 21, now I think this is the first time where your guy can become a two-way prospect and pitch and bat at the same time because of Shohei. He's doing things that nobody has done in 100 years. And quite frankly, it's fucking awesome. It is fun to watch. Like, anytime I see Shohei starting, I want to watch the game. Like, you know. He only usually goes about four or five innings, but he still bats at the same time, too. He kills it, though, during those four innings. All right. Next up, John Wall has become the NBA's all-time leader in blocks by a point guard with 427. Jason Kidd is currently second with 425. Uh, I love it, but I'm going to be quick with it. I just, it's kind of shocked me that John Wall is first in the NBA all-time leader for anything, considering how much that he's hurt. It shows that what kind of potential he could have had if his career could have stayed healthy. All right. Now, Jennifer Lopez and Alex Rodriguez split up, but they were seen together at dinner after Minnesota Timberwolves guard Anthony Edwards claims he wants to see them back together. Um. I love that Anthony Edwards didn't even know who A-Rod was. Three exactly. <laughs> yeah. That was, it was weird, but kind of funny. All right. A- Teddy Bridgewater has been traded twice in his career, and both times were due to Sam Darnold. Um, I love it, but it's kind of funny. Yeah. All right. Kevin Durant has his Nick Kids Choice Award trophy on top of his finals MVP trophy display case. Um, I love it. That's kind of funny. Um, if you see this Twitter post, it's kind of got Katie has all of his trophy cases and at the top of this trophy case, he has his uh, kids choice award. And of course, Katie, he's, he's doing his best to get back in the good graces of the public after being a, a public enemy for a couple of years at Golden State. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's kind of working. I mean, honestly, like the stuff with Michael Rappaport, everybody thought it was hilarious. So all right, and yeah. then last question: We got Logan Paul and Floyd Mayweather have agreed to fight at Rock at Hard Rock Stadium in Miami on June sixth. Um, I love it. Uh, holy shit, the Paul brothers actually pulled it off. Um, yeah. there's no way. Uh, but it's gonna be a fake boxing match because it's gonna be another one of those exhibitions. So it's gonna be a snoozer to watch. So if you buy it, you're a fucking sucker. Um. I'm probably going to stream it though. I'll probably tune in, but like, I can't believe that the Paul brothers were actually able to attract a guy like Floyd Mayweather, but it's going to be a fake ass boxing match and Floyd Mayweather is going to win. So I guess put your money on Floyd Mayweather. I don't know. Again, I kind of said it before. If you're going to 
I would stay away from putting money on anything that Triller hosts because it's all fake. It's all exhibition. Yeah. I, it doesn't I, I matter. Agree with that. Yeah. All right. Well, that is going to do it for our love it or loathe it section. And that is just about it for the episode. But before we go, there is one more little thing we wanted to get into. This Saturday is the return of the Kentucky Derby, the biggest horse race of the year. Neither Elijah or I know jack shit about horse racing, so we're not going to sit here and pretend like we do. But we did make picks for the winner just based off their name. So I made a pick. My logical pick is Rock Your World. It's a horse that has currently 5-1 to one odds to win which is the third best odds out of the, the racing horses. Um, and I know I read somewhere that recently he won the Santa Anita Derby. So that's why I'm going with him. But who I really want to see win is a horse called Soup and Sandwich because, I mean, they're 30 to 1 odds, but like what what better name can you think of for a horse than fucking Soup and Sandwich? Like it's just, I don't know. It's just kind of funny to me. So Elijah, who are you going with? Um, I'm going with Superstock because if Superstock has a good showing out, then we'll definitely see some horses with uh, buy GME or buy Dogecoin <laughs> or um, you know invest in AMC. And so I'd really like to see that or like buy Bitcoin. And then the other one is Midnight Bourbon because the guy that owns that is definitely an alcoholic. Fair enough. I can't argue with that. All right. So that's going to do it for the episode. You guys can uh, look forward to the Kentucky Derby this Saturday. And of course, the NFL draft happening tomorrow. By the time the recorded episode goes up, it's already going to be draft day. So make sure you guys tune in before everything goes down. We're going to be here same time, same place, live on Twitch and YouTube next week. So thanks for tuning in and uh, see you next time. All right. Thanks, guys. See you next time.